Welcome in, Notre Dame fans, on a nice, cool, brisk autumn morning right here in the Midwest. That's what the USC Trojans will be walking into as they invade South Bend and Notre Dame Stadium for one of the greatest rivalries in all of college football. It will be the 92nd meeting. This is the preview show on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am Sean Davis at SD2Bikes. And, of course, my God, the original Lucky Lefty, that dude right there, Malik Zaire at Overtime mm-hmm. Malik. And, as always, we feature Anora Whiskey. Go to anorawhiskey.com and get you right. You need to be sipping on that each and every Saturday as you watch Notre Dame march on to another victory. Yeah, Absolutely. Right, right. Especially the way they've been playing lately. You need something to take the edge off. As I said before, one of the greatest rivalries in all of college football, the 92nd meeting. Let's just go through a little bit of history. Can we do that? Talk about some of the greatest games. You know, we'll talk about Malik's keys to a dub. We'll get his clean sheet for the game. And then we'll talk about some of the matchups. But before we do that, let's really just, you know, give flowers to the rivalry itself. It's a fantastic rivalry. National championship implications consistently. Seems like every time Notre Dame is trying to solidify a trip to the national championship game or winning a national championship or making a college football playoff, the path goes through that late November game out at USC. It always seems to line up that way. So, you know, you have great games like the 1947 matchup where Frank Leahy really established his dominance. They blew out USC, 38-7. Who can forget the green jersey game, like 1977? Once again, Dan Devine and his team, Notre Dame, dominate USC. 1986, Lou Holtz, first season at Notre Dame. They had lost games early on. Uh, Carney, John Carney had missed a late, uh, late field goal that could have beaten Michigan in the yeah. very first game. Uh, Tim Brown was having, having a great season. That's really when he jumped on the national scene. They get down, I think it was like 35 to 20 in the fourth quarter. No, 37 to 20. Rodney Pete yeah, was having a great day. It was 37 to 20. Steve Berline leads them back, and John Carney ends up winning with a 19-yard field goal as time expired. And that kind of solidified right there that, you know what, Lou Holtz is building something. And then two years years later, they come through. They pull up at the Coliseum Coliseum in 1988. They pull up with a squad, your boy Tony Rice. They get it done on their way to a national championship. And then my favorite, See, I have to go back to this. This is my favorite game in this entire rivalry. 1989, the year after they had just won a national championship, all the swag in the world. And this is what I love about Notre Dame. This is before the visitor's tunnel. This is when the teams had to meet in the tunnel and wait to run on the field. And, of course, what happened? A brawl. Before the game, Notre Dame, USC, in a tunnel, all the hype. USC had this phenomenal, true freshman quarterback that was supposed to be the greatest quarterback ever developed by a long problem. 
California's on the lefty. I get he spun he spun it different. I'll give him credit for that. Yes, Todd Marinovich. Yeah, Todd Marinovich. And he had one of the best first halves I've ever seen a true freshman coming to Notre Dame Stadium and have. Oh, he was he nice. really did. He man, he had yo. I remember this game like it was yesterday. They come in, they take the lead, we go to the fourth quarter, roll out from Marinovich. It's Gary Weldon in the back of the end zone. They go up four points on Notre Dame. And, uh, yo, you saw how big he's talking trash. Look at him. Marinovich is talking trash. I think he bumped Chris Sorge on the way to the end zone. But Tony Rice and Notre Dame, they come right back. Of course, bread and butter. Our formation, here we go. Option, left. Ugh. Yeah. Tony Rice, end in. zone. Notre Dame in. goes back up. But Tom Marinovich. As I said, the kid was having a great day. He gets USC Trojans back in the red zone, fourth down. Notre Dame comes up with the big stop. So that's that's what this rivalry is all about. You know, who can forget 2006? I know that's painful for a lot of Notre Dame fans. The Bush push, Charlie Weiss had his guys ready to play. And jokingly, I told someone one day, I I actually was in the presence of, of Vince Young one day. Oh wow! At an event, and uh, I told him I said I'm a Notre Dame fan. He was like, "That's what's up," and I was like, "You know, you're lucky, right?" And he's like, "What you, you mean?" Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, I was, I was poking. I was poking, real talk. Yeah. And I said, "You know, you're lucky, right?" He was like, "What you mean?" I said, "Cause you know, if uh, Reggie Bush didn't cheat, we would have smacked y'all in the Rose Bowl." <laughs> And this young got the biggest kick out of that dude. When I tell you, he bust a gut laughing, yo. He really I had to laugh laugh with him because, to be honest, be honest, I don't think we would have done well against Vince Young and that Texas team. But just as a fan, I had to have fun with it. So this rivalry is a great rivalry. 2012, we went out there, got the big dub. To meet yeah. Alabama in the national championship game. And as I said before, we've always had to seal things, margin to a national championship or a college football playoff out there at the Coliseum, it seems. You know what? You know another one of my favorite games? Which one? Even though, you know, it didn't turn out so well, especially early on for Notre Dame. I want to go back to 2014 at the USC Coliseum, you know. Two young kids came in in the fourth quarter. There's a little, look at that throw, baby. Chris Brown down the sideline. First three plays, he went in there and scored. First three plays. Who's that quarterback? Yeah. Get get to it. Get to it. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We were really nice in this game. You know, unfortunately, we got in when it was kind of too late. But uh, the momentum we had going in from to that that game, going into LSU, yeah, is uh, is what we needed, man. And then you know, unfortunately, I didn't get to keep having more of these moments because I mean, we were we were cooking with grease when I was able to do this. Yeah, rest easy to Greg Bryant, man. Rest yeah. in peace. Great game. I mean, you know, that's uh, <laughs> man, brings back a lot of good memories of the team we had and what we was trying to do. So. I mean, you know, I think uh, it'll always go down as what, what could have been, and it was great. So this it just goes back to restill, restilling the USC thing. 
I've always wanted to play against USC. So getting the chance to do that at the Coliseum, I mean, it scored my first touchdown as a college football player there. I mean, hey, you can't you can't buy something better than that moment. Even though you guys were down big, it, it still meant something. Like you said, it built momentum going into that bowl game with LSU, where eventually you and Ev, you know, worked together to get that big win and that big W. So 92nd meeting overall. And um this year, I would venture to say the hype is always going to be there, right? But sometimes you just don't know. So the USC media, they were talking to starting running back Keontae Ingram, and they were just asking him, you know, he's a transfer in from Texas, and they were, you know, asking him questions about the rivalry. He talked about Sean Cody, someone who actually committed to Notre Dame and then decommitted and committed to USC. USC legend, he came in, he talked to the team to talk about how important the rivalry is, and I guess he got emotional. And we've been hearing a lot from former USC players this week in the media chirping and talking and talking about how much they hate Notre Dame. But, you know, Mother Nature always has something special for USC and his players when they come to Notre Dame. And uh, Texas transfer running back Keontae Ingram was asked if he had ever come to Indiana this week. Have you ever been to Indiana? Never, never. <laughs> it's gonna be cold. Oh, really? <laughs> Prepare yourself. What's the temp? I think it's a high of like six. No, I think it's gonna be like 40s. 40. I think it's Yeah, 40s. when you guys play, yeah, it's gonna 57 games. 40? Mm-hmm. I feel like I just ruined your day. I'm gonna have my you thermos said I'm not on. excited for this one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have my thermo on. <laughs> Yeah, fella. <laughs> yeah, fella. Every time, every time, every doesn't matter if we play him early October or even at the end of the season, these guys come out here and act like they're playing in Alaska. <laughs> they got the, the the hoodie thing on with the with the right. They got the the fur coat on underneath. I mean, these boys come like it's the Arctic tundra. But it definitely affects them every time. I don't know if it's just the thin blood from the nice California weather, but that weather definitely affects them, and it, and it, and it plays a part. You saw his face. He was like 40. I got to wear thermals. His face is like 40? You know, and if you're in the Midwest, you know, we're from the Midwest. 40? 40s is a, is a good day. We it's might still pull out the grill. Yeah, as long as, it, as long as it don't rain, the 40s is a solid day. A solid day. Oh, a steak on the grill, a couple of burgers. Yeah, it is. You know what I'm saying? A couple of polishes. It'll be windy, you know, it'll be, but hey, it's it's nice outside. That's what we say. It's nice. So outside. watch as what we're saying is watch as they run on the field. You'll see all the Notre Dame players sleeveless. Yeah. <laughs> you'll see Notre, you'll see USC with the hoodies. I mean, all the of them, from coaches to players to I mean it's they got the hand warmers out with the, the big old hand warmers they be wearing. You would think it was <laughs> you would think it was played at the end of the season the way they act. <laughs> Let's hop into this matchup, right? Three and three USC. They've struggled, especially the last three games. On the defensive side of the ball, they really can't tackle well. And uh, undisciplined. They're really undisciplined on both sides of the ball. Keaton Slovis. Uh, I think there's a chance if he struggles early, you might see the true freshman 
who played one game against Oregon State before he got injured. He hasn't been medically cleared, but he'll make the trip. And then they just seem to have talent, not the same depth that we're used to at USC, but here and there they have talent. I, I do like their defensive back, 6'1", about 215 pounds. That's pretty big. He runs pretty well. Isaac Austin Taylor, Keontae Ingram, as I said before, the transfer running back from Texas. Keaton Slovis, who a lot of people like to go into the NFL draft, maybe in the third or fourth round. I don't know if he's a gamer or as impactful as Sam Darnold was, but the same type of guy, anticipation, gets the ball out of his hands. Uh, they're one of the quickest teams as far as getting the ball out of their hands in the passing game. Graham Harrell, Air Raid, comes from play quarterback at Texas Tech. He's the offensive coordinator. They love to pass the ball. Literally, they targeted Drake London, their All-American wide receiver, 6'5". Tough matchup at about 215. They targeted him 23 times in a game mm. this year. 23 targets for a young man. So we'll get into that matchup and how Marcus Freeman might want to go at him. But what do you think about this matchup? How dangerous is USC? As I said before, with all of that being said, three and three, struggling. How dangerous are they coming into South Bend? Is it those wild dogs that you meet in the alley? You know, it's, it's, it's got a lot of potential, but it's still a wild dog. You got to be able to take it and, and take them out quick. So for us, you know, we can't play undisciplined like they are, and that's going to hold us back. We got to go in there and, 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 and snuff them out quick. And this is one of those games where if we let talent hang around, talent will show up eventually. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, no, they even, I mean – USC is always going to have some guys that are highly recruited, some five stars here and there. But as a team, they may not play as disciplined as we are. However, you know, that if a one-on-one happens in a situation where it's third and 10 and they got momentum, you know, there's a good chance they can get it. <laughs> they, got, they got some players that can win one-on-one matchups. So we can't let this team get momentum or gain momentum especially in an, um, with them coming uh, to our place. And the biggest thing we have to do is take advantage of the environment. We know it's cold, so running the football is going to be at a premium for us. we got to make them tackle us. And it's something that, you know, California players don't really want to do in the cold. And with that being in mind, you know, Kyron, Michael Mayer, get his hand in the dirt, get him some touches, and, and, and we got to run north and south in this game. So uh, we – should be the more physical team in this matchup, and that should give us the edge in this victory. Yeah, so the left side of the offensive line, I believe, has been solidified. According to Brian Kelly this week, Andrew Kostovic is going to start there on the left side right next to Joe Alt. So those youngsters pretty much are going to be there for the rest of the season. Kane Madden is still there at right guard. Uh, Rocco Spindler, I don't understand why he's not getting the shot based upon the output we've seen from Kane Madden, but it is what it is. And, of course, Josh Luck at the right tackle and our All-American Jared Patterson at center. They did make some headway against Virginia Tech. We saw a much, much better effort from the offensive line. We need them to do the same thing 
USC has uh, tallied seven sacks in the last two games. They're a little light in the pants. They want to be disruptive up front. They really don't have a nose tackle. They literally have beefed-up linebackers and defensive ends playing inside. So yeah. we can be physical. But early on, I look for them to run blitz a lot, expecting Notre Dame to try and establish the run. So there will be opportunities for big plays in the play action. I mean, you go back to 2016, I believe it was 2016, where we hit them play action and uh, – they had the nerve to have a Dory Jackson one-on-one outside of Will Fuller. And Will Fuller showed him, like, nah, nah, this ain't the Pac-12, my guy. No, sir. He <laughs> put it on quick, too. Yeah, he did put him on a quick. One quick outside move and hit that post, and yeah. then a Dory couldn't catch him. Yeah, and he's fast. And Dory's yeah. fast. Yeah. <laughs> so – Thank you all the listeners, man. If you guys have any questions, we'll get to them towards the end of the show. Uh, we're about to rock out and get to Malik's clean sheet and see what his offensive plan going into this game is. But first of all, we want to say happy birthday to TJ0311. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you, my guy. Thanks for listening. On your birthday, man. Absolutely. And you wait. We already saw your comment. Let's go, Irish. And uh, Matthew Southgate, we appreciate you. Let's go indeed beat Southern Cal, no doubt. Each and every preview show, we give you Malik's clean sheet. The clean sheet is, you know, basically every offense coordinator has a clean sheet. Some have the first 10 plays scripted. Some have the first 25. But basically, the clean sheet is the game plan offensively going into the matchup. So, Malik, what's your clean sheet this week as Notre Dame and Tommy Rees face off against Southern Cal? Man, the clean sheet, it starts with establishing that run game. I mean, you heard the previous interview, they talked about they being worried about playing in the cold. They got to wear thermals. Well, the one thing that sucks in the cold is making tackles. And so we have to be able to get behind that good offensive line that's getting better each week. And and they're going to continue to get better with, with continuing to call run plays and continuing to trust that they're going to get those blocks up front. So Kyron Williams has to have a big day and supplement that with Chris Tyree, get him back in the fold, doing some side-to-side uh, jet sweeps, trying to catch him and outflank him on the edge yeah. and use his speed. I think this is also a good week to establish more of an identity of offense for uh, for our play-action game. Jack Cohn coming back, and he's played in Wisconsin, so he knows how to deal with the cold, putting up some shots against a USC secondary that – we can win him. We can win those one-on-ones with Kevin Austin down the field because he's most likely going to be bigger than all their corners. And it'll give us a chance to be physical, even in the pass game, with us not with us giving him a chance with it and not just throwing it like trying to lead at the receiver. Yeah. I think uh Brayden Lindsay can find some more work uh in in the same sense that Chris Tyree is with some jet sweeps, some reverses, maybe something to get. The defense moving side to side so we know we can hit downhill with Chris Tyree in that offense line in crunch moments, like closing out this the first half, running some four-minute offense, and even getting drive started with a positive first down. So as long as we don't play behind the chains, which is very important because you can't play behind the chains versus talented teams because, you know, they'll the talent will come out, you know, when you give them opportunity. So – we stay above the chains and work some deep run play action. I think we'll have success on offense. 
you expect Southern Cal to come out playing with the hair on fire, right? Yeah, they're going to be aggressive. They're going to press us. They, you know, that's the, the swag that they have, that they're more uh, talented than what they, you know, they believe in what they see on that sheet. You know, right. they see a bunch of five stars, a bunch of top recruits. They definitely have the belief in their game when they come out and they'll try to press and do some things. But if we just stay consistent, we can take it out early. You watch the tape, the plays in the passing game are over the middle of the field. Uh, their safeties have been very inconsistent. They love to, to run with you. I know that's not really a coverage. They probably they probably call it bump and run, but they don't lay a hand on anybody at no. the line of scrimmage. They literally just let you release and run with you because they believe in their speed and they believe in their athletic ability. But that's not good when you're going up against Kevin Austin. Kevin Austin has struggles. Michael Mayer either. Yeah, Kevin Austin struggles when you're physical with him and you can get a hand on him and redirect him at the line of scrimmage. If you're just going to allow him to free release, that's, that's, he's going to have a field day. And Michael Mayer, according to Brian Kelly, he returns to the lineup 100%. We told you on the slant, there's no way in the world coming off a groin that Michael Mayer can be 100%, especially in cold weather. You know, we, we just hope that he doesn't re-aggravate that groin somewhere during the game. But even if he has to take a step out, Notre Dame definitely has enough weapons. You know, this is one of those games, as I said before, where the middle of the field has been open against this USC defense all season long. It doesn't matter who they've played. Big plays have been made in immediate and deep down the field, over the middle of the field. So that means – Get Kevin Austin into the slot, move him around, post patterns to Braden Lindsey and Michael Mayer doing his thing, whether it's option routes, out patterns, whatever. Just, man, go ahead, get the ball out of your hands quickly. Arrow routes from the uh, running backs. Kyron Williams has already taken a slant for, to the house this year against Purdue. So all of that should be wide open against the USC defense. Straight up. And I think that's – the best thing, you know, the fact that we got a, a list of different mismatches that we can take advantage of is something that we got to put on tape as well. It's one thing to talk about it, another thing to do it. And I think, you know, we're, we're in a position where we kind of feel like we can squeak into that college football playoffs. So the, the, the intensity and the momentum is there for us. And coming off of a bye week, it should continue to be there. I mean, I think Coach Kelly has a pretty great record coming off of bye weeks. Yeah. So, you know, we should head into this rivalry well prepared. Mistakes and turnovers will be huge in this game. If Notre Dame stays away from mistakes and turnovers offensively, including penalties. We could probably win huge. They definitely should be able to win this game huge because the trend that we've seen from USC in the last three weeks is that they will fight oh, yeah. in that first quarter, deep into the second quarter. But if you continue to bang on them because of that lack of depth, lighten the pants on both fronts, offensive line, very light. They have tackles playing guard on the offensive line. That's how bad their depth has been hit by injuries on the offensive side of the ball. So with that being said, be physical. Defensive line, be physical. Offensive line, be physical. And when you get into the deep waters of that second quarter going into halftime, that's when you can start to lengthen out that lead, get into double digits, come back out the second half, and then just make them quit. That's right. I feel like uh, 
always look at uh, California teams and just the West Coast teams as beauty pageant teams. You know, they're going to look good. Yeah. They're going to have nice numbers, you know, but playing teams like Wisconsin, Notre Dame, uh, Ohio State even, you know you're going to get in a bar fight. And that's just really what we have to be able to do. We got to make sure we rough these guys up and make them uncomfortable. We have we have one in the battle with the weather. Yeah. Make them half uncomfortable. We got to go in there and just completely make them uncomfortable and aggravate them some more. And that's a team, USC this year, especially the team they have, that they'll mess up on their own. You know, we just can't get into their trend of seeing their play and affecting our own play, you know, because they're going to be out of whack and disoriented and, they're going to hit some stuff sometimes. Sometimes they're going to make some mistakes, but we just got to play the middle of the road and we'll be fine. That's what's up. Shout out to Donnie Cruz. He says 27-20 is his prediction. Lindsey takes the top off twice. Mayer finally scores a touchdown again. Brayden Lindsey, the last time they went in here, had a big reverse for a touchdown. That would be nice yeah, to see. That's why I said he got to have another. He, where did he go? He yeah. Gotta come back to so it. We see that. Jet Sweet with him. Avery Davis reverse. Yeah, especially with a team like USC is going to be aggressive, run into the ball. Let's, ca- let's catch that aggressiveness and use it against them. Our guy, Michael Johnson. Good morning, Lefty Lefty Nation. What's up, Mike? It's a great morning as we get to ready to prepare for the 92nd installment of Notre Dame USC tonight at Notre Dame Stadium. Right. Of course, on our network. That's what you know. That, that, that's pretty cool for a program to be able to say our network. That's right. And that's it. Don't, don't even say the call letters. Our network. But yeah, no. yeah it, it's a little bit more we can say it's yours. Right. But NBC, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 Central. So let's go to the defensive side of the ball. We mm-hmm. talked about it on the slant. We thought that the defense for Notre Dame was a half a step slow, had worn down against Virginia Tech. That's why you saw them give up so many plays on the edge. They didn't set the edge as well as they had previously done in other games. Basically kept us in the game against Cincinnati. Dominated Wisconsin. And what we've seen, we wouldn't be, Notre Dame wouldn't be 5-1 and one if it wasn't for Marcus Freeman and that defense and how dominant they've been. I, I, you know what, let me, let me take a step back. I don't know if dominant is the right word and how well they've played because dominant means you don't give up 38 Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Georgia. Let me take a step back. We just talked about labels on the slant and not putting labels on things and letting things play out. Almost fell into that trap. They played very well. Yeah. And so one of the things I pointed out, as you look at the schedule and you look at the first half, they played a lot of different varieties of offenses. Right, yeah. week to week, you know, you go from Wisconsin, then you have to come home. You, I mean, you go from Purdue to Wisconsin, then you go to Cincinnati, then you go to Virginia yeah. Tech. Yeah. Like every week, you're facing an offense that wants to do something totally different. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going into the second half. You know, okay, we're facing teams other than Navy, we're facing teams that want to open it up and throw the ball. That's right, right? USC, North Carolina, back to back weeks. Now we can get really comfortable about what we're going to do and kind of lock in and physically real rejuvenated. What type of effort do you think you're going to see from the Notre Dame defense tonight? I should see it ramped up. I think that 
with these teams that are going to pass more is giving us more opportunity for our secondary to make tackles and spaces, our linebackers to make tackles and spaces. Yeah. Lee Bertrand should have 15 tackles today because I don't think he's the best cover guy, but I know he's going to rally and tackle. So if he can continue to do that and post great numbers, that'll set the tone for the defense that we may be a bend but don't break defense that gets some turnovers here and there and we can be disruptive. I think that's a good identity to have, especially with an offense that is more of a controlled, you know, time of possession. We're going to take our time and, yeah. you know, hit you with all things that we're, we've been practicing all week. And then to have a team that can bend but don't break on defense, that's kind of a good mix to have some success on a, on a consistent level. Yeah. The teams that we're going against with this passing, I don't think – we should watch and get frustrated considering they're already a top team in the nation. They do this to everybody in terms of getting the ball out of their hands. We just got to be really efficient at getting off the field and just not allowing them to score. So they may eat up a lot of yards, but as long as they're empty calories, we'll be all right. They're definitely going to get their yards. And that's one thing I would like to, you know, let USC is going to get yards there, but they're really bad in the red zone. Yeah, they're one of the worst teams in the nation when it comes to red zone efficiency and turning their possessions into touchdowns. So, if you hold USC to twenty-four points, which would be that lowest out point output of the season, but they, you know, get four hundred and fifty yards of offense, you've had a pretty good day. Yeah, you've had a pretty good day because you're not going to stop them from making plays. As I said before, they get the ball out of their hands really fast. So if you're looking for like five or six sacks from Notre Dame, you might not get that, but you can get early pressure and, you know, make life miserable for them. And you have the chess pieces on defense, which goes to one of our comments here. A guy, Donnie Cruz says, thinking Cam will have a great day if they let him follow Drake around the field, maybe bracket him a bit. I think they should do the opposite. Uh, hear me out, right? Malcolm Epps, Great tight end they have. They have Gary Bryant in the slot. Michael Triggs, their true freshman that they love. Uh, he hasn't been medically cleared to play, even though he's going to make the trip as well, dealing with a knee issue. And then Drake London, as I said before, they do. Drake London is one of those players. You're not stopping him. He's almost like David Bell from Purdue. Like, you're not stopping him. And the fact that Cam Hart pretty much kept David Bell under 100 yards I think it was like five and 98 and what 60 of those yards came on one big play. Yeah. A fantastic catch by David Bell. That's a darn good game. It's a good game. Yeah. But I, mean, I don't, but <laughs> with the myriad of, with the various options that they have offensively, I would much rather put Cal on Malcolm X, not Malcolm X, Malcolm Epps. <laughs> Different show. Different right, 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 right. And tell, tell Kyle Hamilton, yo, take the tight end out of the game. Yeah. All right? And then put Cam Hart on Bryant and say, take the second option away. You know why? I'm not about to waste Cam Hart every play on Drake London. Yeah, no. Uh, no. No. He's not – I'm not – no, don't follow him around the field. Take option two and three away. They're going to target Drake London – 15 times. Like, you're not stopping that. You're not. It's like Kevin Durant. He's going to have about seven to eight catches on a bad day. 
anyway. Ten to twelve catches. No matter what, what the good thing, no matter what happens. I don't care if Cam Hart is sticking him. I don't care what you do. You can't ask Cam Hart to go bump and run man to man with Drake London all night. That's just it's, it's unfair, and it gives opportunities for the big play. Offense like USC, you want them to earn their way down the field. Why? Because they will make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to beat their Right. Side. Don't give them the opportunity to have big plays. Make them earn their way down the field. Bracket Drake London, but you can bracket Drake London with Tariq Bracey and Clarence yeah. Lewis if you're going to bracket. If you want to bracket. If you're going to bracket, use them to bracket and let Cam Hart literally take away the second receiver. And then Cal Hamilton can take away the tight end, and now you tighten the noose around the neck. And that's just the way I look at it. You know, there will be instances where Cam Hart is going to have to line up and take Drake London, especially on third downs. Yeah, third down is our biggest, I would say, for this game on defense. It's third down. You yeah. know what they like to do. You know who they like to go to. And they're going to do it no matter if you watch film and know it or not. So – how do we stop this team on third down? And if we can do that efficiently enough, yeah, that'll be the biggest change in the game. I don't think they'll hit enough explosive plays to to threaten us or beat us. So if we can get them off the field, because if you're getting the ball out of your hand, you can't be taking shots all the time down the field. So it's got to be nickel and dime you to death. So if we can stop the nickel and dime and give them pennies, we'll be great. You know, that that's – the biggest thing in, in situations with air raids, you got to get off the field. You can't let them just hit you and uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, throw hitches all day and, and real stuff that that you should be like, well, how are they not pressing that? You know what I mean? So um, that's the type of game this is. And then offensively, we can't we ourselves go out on three and out a lot because we got to take advantage of these possessions because mm-hmm. all it takes is a team that passes all the time to gain momentum. Or go up two scores, and then they start doing all type of crazy stuff. So, um, you know, our defense ends. We had a Doug Hampton in the comments talking about our defense ends. Yeah, Isaiah Fowski has to have a day. You know, that's just something that he can build upon from last week for that Virginia Tech. But you know, rattling that quarterback in the air raid is is always the best option. And I said before, you know, this is a team undisciplined, not just on the field, but even up in the coaches' booth, man, Graham Harrell can run the ball early, be effective, and gets to the second quarter, and all of a sudden it's like he has a wireless controller in his hand calling plays for Madden. Like he just goes away from the game really fast. doesn't matter what the score is. Graham Harrell wants to throw the ball. That is his natural inclination. So Keontae Ingram, the running back, I've never heard a player say this. He actually said this week, we need to be more creative on offense. <laughs> and he said that publicly to the media. It's one thing to have that thought and, you know, talk amongst each other. Like, man, we got to be more creative. We got to do something else besides the same things every week. But to come out and say that to the media, it says a lot about their view of their offensive coordinator. Yeah, it goes back to not having discipline. You know, a wild dog is, you don't know what to expect, but to expect everything. So to hear something like that, um, you know, it's probably not, it's probably not really an issue. It's maybe a personal thing where he's saying creative enough to get him the football mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that. So it right. comes from 
if you a three and three team, I, I feel like players. I've been on teams where we weren't that good, and everybody felt like they had a suggestion on what could make us better, and everybody felt like we weren't creative enough. Sometimes simple plays, we just gotta run it better. <laughs> yeah, you can't execute the basic stuff. There is no such thing as needing more creativity. So that's usually the problem. And you know, probably similar to air raid. Air raid is probably has to be super simplistic in order to just throw it fifty times a game. So. Um, if anything, it's probably an execution thing that they're worried about, which goes back to the undisciplinedness. When you're not disciplined, everything seems really hard, even the easy things. So the, the answer is not to get more creative. It's probably to get less creative and just execute on simple stuff. So Exactly. For us, in that instance, that should be a, a good bulletin board material for us that say, listen, we just got to make tackles. They're going to do everything else for us. Get them on the ground. So when they catch the ball, get them on the ground. Yeah, you know, we did. They go, they gonna be arguing with each other and all types of stuff. Right. And then the crazy stat on his last 53 dropbacks, Keaton Slovis has been pressured 19 times. Yeah, like teams so that just shows you they get the ball out fast, but they're still getting pressured, which yeah. shows you the offensive line, especially up the middle, struggles. Because I told you they have tackles playing guard. So they're lighting the pants on the offensive line. So you can definitely be disruptive, but even more than that, it has to be a Buster Rhymes game for that de- defensive line. And yeah, what, I, going there. what I mean by that, if you can't get to the quarterback, you have to put your hands where his eyes can see. Yeah. You know, tip yeah. passes. You have to get your hands up. And that's the key too, you know, especially with these these quick plays that they probably wanna they probably have and are going to run. Yeah. You gotta play long. You know, sometimes you don't even have to hit home. Sometimes you give a half rush and kind yeah. of play the play the pass. You know, mush rush it, allow him to sit back there. You kind of give some pressure and then wait to jump some of the passes. That's obviously a strategy coach can use, knowing that he's super aggressive. I think he might be a little less aggressive just because they'll receivers screen us to death. <laughs> and so yeah. that is the that's the last thing we want is this team to beat us on freaking screenplays. I'm telling you, I do it in high school and drive teams crazy. I got the whole bench and the other team and and the fans and their coaches talking about yelling screen every time we out there. So right. <laughs> it can it can get on your nerves. So hopefully we can uh train this week working on getting our hands up on quick plays and, and batting some balls down too. Basically just be fundamental and go run and play. That's it. Do your job. Know your responsibility. Yeah, it's a fun game. You play yeah, a team the ball. themselves. Just, just have fun making your the right play. <laughs> you go PR. We don't have to do nothing extra. This is the best game. You know, if I'm a defensive player tonight and I know I have a team like USC coming in, this is the best game to get one of those hits, one of those cracking hits. Like, just nasty, just, you know, yeah. you know, your NFL tape for the lead and put that in the first play. Just Yeah, Kyle, nice Kyle, might, Kyle might have one tonight that you will hear, especially if you have surround sound in your crib. It might verberate. Uh, Kyle Hamilton going to catch one of the receivers on a drag route or a crossing route. It's going to be, you know, another helmet takeoff, hopefully. Yeah. yeah, this is a game that you might not like it, a lot of fans have been upset with Marcus Freeman having Isaiah Foskey drop as much into coverage. And, you know, he's still developing. He's not as natural at it as, say, you know, a Dalen Hayes, who just naturally was really good dropping into coverage. 
you want to see him rushing the passer, but as many receivers and as much as they're going to pass the ball, I, I'm not going to mind Isaiah dropping into coverage, say five to five to ten plays tonight. I, I won't mind that. Jordan Patello, we need to bring him off the edge a little bit more, uh, get some other guys into the game. From a pass rush standpoint, Howard Cross has been really good on first and second down, getting penetration. It's not about sacks, man. It's really not, it's about, not sacks. about sacks. Not this game. It's about pressures. It's about pressures. You want to speed he up these guys. Uh, even if they bring that target to the game, you want to speed them up and you know and allow you know, them to be interception. Running around and him running thirty yards all around the field to get a five-yard pass off—that's yeah. that's the game, you know. Yeah. You, want, you want him to run eighty yards to get ten. So if we can chase him and, and make him tired. Uh, it's just going to fit into that turnover lane that we like to play in. And, you know, 14 back there catching everything. So we'll see what happens. How much do you want to blitz? You know, how judicious are you going to be with the blitzes? I will say this. I don't like really like the timing that our linebackers have on the blitz, especially up the middle, especially against Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. I thought our blitzes were undisciplined. We left gaps. We didn't set the edge. We gave Birdmice an opportunity to get out of the pocket. I felt like Foskey was chasing him all night. <laughs> Just had no help coming from the other side. I'm I wouldn't say, say uh, blitz at a high percentage. I would yeah. say crowd the line of scrimmage. Just have guys up. You know, you don't have to come necessarily, but just just have guys around the line of scrimmage. Linebackers just floating low. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody play low and, and and run and run over the top. Make them throw the ball over your head. Yeah. Um, that'll that help eliminate a lot of the short stuff they like to do and also allow them to uh, – that you don't have to rush. So necessarily yeah. you don't have to get – make a move, but you can play it to where he has to throw over your head and, and you don't – he can't just take the easy first read, a quick out or a quick slant, and that'll make him play a little longer and then that'll get him to start floating around, running around. And other than that, if we could just tackle, it'll be primed for us to be in position to pick the football off, get some tip passes, and, and have a, a day on turnovers. Dante Williams, who was the interim head coach, yeah, it's a difficult task, man. I mean, you probably have assistant coaches sending their resumes out, <laughs> trying to find their next job. You know, you have a team that has expectations of Rose Bowl, Pac-12 championship possibly making it to the college football playoff. That's gone. They have injuries. They've been hit by the injury bug. This team is primed to let go of the rope at some point during this game if you hit them in the mouth. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that we have to watch out for is the effect of losing uh, a coach like that or losing a piece like that like Oakland did, and they came back the next week and played great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That was like a stone off of their own chest. They even got better from that. So hopefully that doesn't catch on with, with USC. But um, in situations like that, you know, those interim coaches are always under the gun. And it's usually coaches that look like us. I remember Randy Shannon when he was a interim coach when we were terrible at Florida. And it's and it sucks because he doesn't – you don't get a chance to put your stuff in there. You kind of riding on somebody else's stuff. Yeah to finish the season and then, you know, mixed with all the complications that was already existing, it doesn't help your win or loss column as a head coach 
even though you're in them. But, you know, for one thing, it's something that you can't worry about. That's one thing in college football you got to pay attention to. You learn the most is that you just got to do your job, man. You can't even worry about everything else going on because it, it, it is as bad as it seems. <laughs> so it's better just do your job and, and focus on how you can uh, not make it worse. You know, quarterbacks always talk about not compounding mistakes. Don't make a bad play worse. Don't make your situation worse by not doing your job. All right. Each and every preview show. This is what you come here for. It is Malik's three keys to a dub brought to you by Honora whiskey, honorawhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey. All right, lucky. Let's get it. Three keys to a dub. Three keys to a dub. First one is defensively. You got to get them boys off the field. Don't spend all day on the field with these quick passes, allowing them to uh, be 10, 12 play drives of them nickel and dime you all day. Crowd the line of scrimmage, you know, make sure we can get off on third down and it'll frustrate them. The second thing offensively, establish the run game. It's cold. They don't like to tackle. Nobody likes to do much things in the cold. It's important that Kyron Williams gets that, get that train rolling, get, it, get that offensive line confident, doing things that are day one install. You know, you double teaming going to the right, double teaming going to the left, reach block, cut block, whatever. Make sure we can establish a run game. We need a, over 100 yards rushing if we want to um, have the success that we need. So that's the second one. The third one is can we play a clean game? You know, can we play a clean game with no turnovers? Can all three phases of our of our team look good in a rivalry because we'll need it? Because we can't let a, a wild dog hang around too long. It gets more dangerous. And for us, uh, we know what this rivalry means. You know, being at home, with an alcohol uh, or on home turf. And by doing that, you got to have all three phases of the game firing at all cylinders. And this is the game to come off a of bye week to that. So establish the run, get off the field in third down, and all three phases got to play great. From a betting standpoint, I would lay money on the money line on Notre Dame in the second half. I think USU is going to come out, play pretty strong in the first quarter. Specifically, Notre Dame will have an opportunity to stretch out the lead in the second half. So, Go ahead and grab Notre Dame on the second half money line. You can grab Notre Dame minus, uh, minus seven as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Notre Dame wins this by double digits. You can get it at certain sports book that's a minus seven. If you can definitely grab it at minus six and a half, I saw it certain sports book. So even if you want to pay it down to a minus six, go ahead and do that. Um, I think 250. Minus 250 for Notre Dame on the money line to start out. I think that money line would be much better for the second half. That's why I said that's the play. Notre Dame second half money line. And you might be able to take Notre Dame second half on the spread because I think that's when they pour it on. Yeah. So, I yes. Mean, Over, under, yeah, 69. We need to get better at pouring it on teams. We yeah. love to uh, drizzle on teams, you know, yeah. sprinkle, you know. <laughs> we ain't pour it on yet. So hopefully this is the team we start with. The over under is 59. And, and that's really that's really one of the best over-unders I've seen for a Notre Dame game because it's very tempting because USC does put points on the board. And like I said, if you hold them to 24 points defensively, you've done a good job. Yeah. But that means in order to win, that means Notre Dame will have to score. If I think they're gonna win by 10 points, that's 34 to 24. Which gives you. Come in the second half. Yeah. So yeah. if they go 34 24, that's 58. 
35, 20, that's 59. So that's hitting right there on the over on it. Vegas did a really good job with the over under at 59. So I would probably stay away from the over under in this game. We'll turn down that temperature in the second half and everybody will start freezing up, even us. You know, we're good. We're cold on some drives in the second half. So hopefully that under is definitely what's the better option. Give me your player for the game. The guys you're looking for on both sides of the ball to make an impact in this game. I'm saying the player of the game, his game, for me, is Avery Davis offensively. And defensively, it's got to be – I'm saying J.D. Bertrand. I'm giving J.D. Bertrand the challenge of getting his team off the field third down. Wild thing. And I'm giving Avery Davis the challenge to, to be a, a good decoy slash – a threat to give Kyron a chance to run the football. I think we're going to have to throw him some bubbles, some quick screens, something to allow that thing to soften up so we can really run the ball. But, you know, it's going to be a lot of one-on-one matchups too when that happens. And I'm thinking Avery Davis in the middle is going to take advantage of that. I'm going to go with Kyron. This is – this yeah, is you know, Kyron's this, easy. That's the easy choice. This is the Kyron Williams game for me, a team that struggles to tackle – the patience of Kyron Williams, his ability to avoid tackles and break tackles, I think it shows up tonight. And he wears this USC defense down and breaks a long one, gets over 100 yards, and we continue to see improvement from this Notre Dame offensive line. This is the perfect – coming out of the bye week and coming off Virginia Tech, if you wanted a perfect defense to go up against to get better, this is the defense you want to see in front of you. Yeah. This is the defense you want to see in front of you. And on the defensive side of the ball, it's easy for me to say Cam Hart. You know, know, because I think the over-under prop bet for Drake London in this game for yardage, I think is right at 105. Actually, I think Drake London has has a really good chance of going over 105. Just simply, they're going to target him. Close to be closing out a team's best player. No, yeah. No. If he has 12 <laughs> catches, seven, eight yards. Best off. Player is usually going to get right. Is yeah. that, can we do everything else around it? <laughs> you know, and like any other team, I'm sure USC is going to scheme to get Drake London on Clarence Lewis and Tariq Bracey. Oh, for sure. Rather than Cam Hart. That's what every other team has done, you know. So they're going to get the best receiver on our second and third best defensive back, and that's when they're going to try and go for the big plays. Just tackle. That's all we need. Yeah, that's right. Just get them down. We'll work on the other stuff later. I just need you to tackle. <laughs> so, so defensively, I'm with you. I think somebody in the linebacking court gets an interception, and I think the linebackers get home on a blitz or two on a third and long and possibly create a strip sack. And, you know, that leads to possibly a defensive touchdown. So, Lucky Lefty Nation, we actually have a bet on this game. Yeah. If you go back to the slant, I'm I'm saying that this is one of the games, and it's not just this game. This is the entire second half. Notre Dame has to score 40 points offensively. Offensively, the defense can't chip in. No, yeah, no. They have to score 40 points offensively in one of the second half games. Or else, you know, I have to pay up. And then, uh, you know, 
<laughs> Brian Kelly got your back because uh, I think he's just trying to get these wins secured. I don't, I don't know what defense, I mean, what steakhouse I'm gonna have to take him to <laughs> out there on the West Coast. I'm sure there'd be one off the, off the water. Oh yeah, you know I got the places, I got the spots for us. Some off the water, and I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with that. I love Malibu. When I do come out there, I love the boo. I love downtown LA as well. So really uh, I am for a lot of uh lucky lefty nation, they don't know that I am a house divided today. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, I am a house divided and uh <laughs> <laughs> But you know where you know where the heart heart of the home is. Yeah. I'm just happy that I'll get to make I'll get to talk trash after the game. That's the most hey, important. Make thing. us right, Jack Cone. Make us I, right, man. I've make been quiet all know. week. I've been quiet all week, but I'm gonna talk that ish. Come around <laughs> 10 30 tonight, 11 o'clock. <laughs> I'm gonna talk that ish, <laughs> and I'll be ready to go. That's right. Any other things stick out to college football this week as we get ready to close the preview show right here for USC? And then we'll get your predictions. Um, Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Cincinnati's Uh, number two. But Cincinnati's still sweating. Yeah, of course, because it's such a high pedestal to have. You number two in the nation. Cincinnati, I know they're feeling that pressure. They're feeling the pressure, and they're not solidified. Even with the big win. They're not solidified. I mean, if Alabama wins out, Georgia and Alabama will be Georgia Alabama will be one three more than likely. The Big Ten champ will be two, and then Oklahoma's undefeated. I'm not taking Cincinnati over Oklahoma. I ain't taking Cincinnati on nothing to you. It is it is fair, but you know we'll, we'll see. Can they finish strong? And they have to beat SMU. I mean, they play Navy today, so they should run over Navy, dominate that game. Uh, SMU will probably be tough. And Memphis has always been tough for Cincinnati because that's another team offensively that can put up points. That's right. Memphis is uh, that team that, uh, man, that's a team that have 60 points on the scoreboard after you look at the day game. Like, man, they just fly around and make plays. And yeah, they give up 70, though. Out there. They, they give up 70. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, like basketball numbers. And you know what? I wouldn't be right if I didn't mention there's no need to uh, tire out the defensive line of USC today. You know what I want to see? I want to see a game where I don't need Tyler Buckner. I actually want to see a game from Notre Dame where I don't need Tyler Buckner. Because I start sweating when we start throwing him in there at the worst times in the game because it makes it feel like that we ran out of options, like we ran out of game plan. Like, and uh, I'm, oh shit, the, the the ship is sinking. Let's throw Tyler in there, and that shit is and, so crazy to me. And if you want to play him to just get him snaps, that's fine. That's fine. But don't play him because we have to play him. I don't want to see that. I don't want to play him because yeah, we're we play the freshman because we're in positions where we have to put him in there. That's, right. That's terrible. You and that's not good. That freshman. That's not good. So our own version of TB12, TB uh, you know, he needs some more development. We've talked about it. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the red zone package. Yeah, because he like – I'm, I'm cool with that. We put him in the, the, the 
the green area, you know, he's on the 50-yard line. With, that's too much opportunity to do something really good and really bad. Yeah. Give him that short field. Let him run hard like he does and let it let those runs be worth it. We be letting them run hard as hell to pick up the first down in the middle of the field. And I'm like, you got a whole another 40 yards to go. You are gassed and ran two dudes over. You yeah. got your jersey torn. <laughs> and you're in the middle of the field. So let's 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 let some of them hard runs be worth it, man. Get you in the red zone. And uh Quarterback Brendan Clark, a Notre Dame quarterback, has entered the transfer portal. Uh, he was dealing with injuries the last two seasons. So we hopefully he gets to a really good situation where he can go and play and show his wares. And college football, college football is so different now, right? Um, the willingness, the trans, what the transfer portal has created, which is opportunity. But you look at this offseason when so many kids just got left in the portal and weren't picked up and really didn't make the most informed decision. Spencer Rattler, you know, changed his social media, took Oklahoma out of his social media, just says quarterback with Caleb, with Caleb Williams, the true freshman coming on there and doing what he's doing for Oklahoma. And then you have the situation here, you know, in your mind, you're thinking, okay, what is, does Drew Pine transfer? You know, he's the people's champ when it comes to Notre Dame fans. Notre Dame fans love Drew Pine. They want to see Drew Pine. They wonder why he's not getting more snaps and why he's not coming in instead of Tyler Buckner. But you have to think in the offseason, like a kid like Drew Pine, is he the type of kid that's going to stick around? Drew Pine's best bet is to for him to be in the narrative of why isn't he playing Because it would change quick if he was a starter. And I think the fans, you know, the fans know it, but he they just he hasn't given them a chance to to beat on it yet. You know? Yeah. So, Drew's a kid that should stay because him starting anywhere else wouldn't give him the same benefit as him being a backup at Notre Dame, honestly. Um and secondly, the transfer portal, man, I I like it a lot because you know, these colleges, man, they play a lot of games, man. And so um, the devil, you know, is, is better than one you don't. Yeah. It's unfortunate. However, at least and hopefully the players get a better support system and, and better information on making that decision because I do think it has a lot of positive and a lot of power to it because these coaches got to act right now and, you know, can't just be lying to people all the time. So – um, however, you know, as a player, you can't leave a situation to go to a worse one either, you know, so you got to do the right research, ask the right questions, and, and don't be in over your head, man, just because it's a nice school. Man, check that roster depth chart. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one thing right. for the coach to tell you, you can play, and then you go there, and there's four people in your same grade, and they may or may not suck. It don't even matter. They got time, though, so. Yeah, it's not just about leaving to get opportunity you have to pick the right school yeah it's got to be about fit and that's it's, and that's a hard thing to do especially the second time around because you don't have as much time but uh fit is everything man i don't care if it's a fiu or alabama you got to make sure you in the right spot that's going to feature you if you leave 
or just treat you better than your situation before, man. I think a lot of kids, you know, they get stuck in that pit where they can't get out due to, you know, recruiting or coaches don't like them or whatever. Yeah. Find an opportunity to go somewhere where it's a desert. <laughs> you go out there and ball out. That's what it's about, man. Get your tape. Everything else don't matter. You're out there. You're coaching high school football in California. What is the view of that USC program right now? Coaches. Everybody is, you know, so many things going on in California. You got two NFL teams, two NBA teams, and MLB teams, a bunch of college. So obviously, people traditionally like USC growing up, just like yeah. I like Ohio State being from Ohio growing up. Right. Uh, it's just a natural love, but nowadays, I mean, you got more Oakland fans than Rams fans out here. So, yeah, I'm, you a, <laughs> I'm sorry, Las Vegas fans more than Oakland fans or whatever. But California is a, a big bag of a lot of different mixes of things, and USC is a stronghold. But everybody knows it's like the fantasy factory. Like, for instance, all the top kids that in our league are going there. But that's like the pinnacle. If you're a California football player going to USC, it's like your pinnacle. And, and the kids that go are all the same. They all play the same, look the same. So it's kind of cool. Well, how do you see it playing out as far as what's coming with Chip Kelly and UCLA? They have a big game against Oregon today. They can take control of the Pac-12 South. And pretty much, you know, like I said, control their own destiny for the Rose Bowl. Is UCLA taking over the town? No. Are they making a bigger impact in California than most people believe? Um, hopefully the NIL stuff got better. Maybe they got some people throwing some money over there that keep that program solid for some years down the line. <laughs> but Chip Kelly's not a coach. I would think that it's better than BK. He ain't better than BK. So he's the, he's the second Kelly out here. <laughs> And the program was the program is doing good, but they're always a team that starts hot and finishes terrible. So let's see how they finish. Also, we just want to mention a huge, huge game-changing possibly weekend in recruiting for Notre Dame. 22 targets, 23 targets, and commits will be in the building for this primetime matchup. And the guys, Anthony Lucas, defensive lineman. Five star game changer along that defensive line. We talked about how important it is to get that type of guy into Notre Dame to take Notre Dame and that defense to the next level. Likes Notre Dame, family likes Notre Dame, specifically his father. But, you know, they're on the outside and they need a big weekend. You know, how huge would it be to get a kid like that to go ahead? And even if he doesn't commit, he comes away this weekend saying, okay, that's where I want to play college football. Yeah, that environment, man, it's a night game. And I think as a recruit, it's just a, a mystical, magical thing being there in an environment like this, which is it'll help a lot. You know, it'll help a lot for a player's decision. Clearly, I think on the recruiting side, we need to really dive in our bag. <laughs> And find ways to get this kid here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we can get creative on that aspect. So, you know, 
USC's talking about they need to get creative on offense. I think we need to get creative in recruiting. Uh, turn that thing up a little bit. And Notre Dame sells itself, man. So it shouldn't be too hard to get a kid with some common sense to want to come here and make it reasonable enough to commit. So hopefully we get a dub that can persuade him even more. Another big-time recruit out of Iowa, the Midwest, safety Xavier Nwamka. He'll be in attendance. And, you know, the commits, Devin Moore, Jaden Mickey, and our other secondary commits will be there. Maybe he'll get an opportunity to mesh with them. As you said before, see the environment, see this rivalry in prime time. Uh, I myself, I was just sharing, I've yet to get to a night game at Notre Dame Stadium. Been to Notre Dame Stadium a few times, but I have to get to a night game. And the USC game is always, as a coach, I want to get into this before we get out of here. As a USC is always the biggest recruiting weekend, especially when they come to Notre Dame. It's in the middle of the season, though. And with the way things have changed, you know, signing day in February is not as big because of the early signing period now. You get Ohio State, who always has Michigan in the back pocket as that last game in November for prospects to come and see what Ohio State is all about. Is that an advantage? as compared to the biggest weekend for Notre Dame usually being in the middle of the season? Well, I think the biggest advantage is that Ohio State always crushes Michigan. So it's like – Oh, definitely, especially recently. It's an easy It's an easy way to be like, look at what we do to our rivals every year. How do you know what right. But I don't know about bigger advantage. I think the advantage for us is being able to be consistent in our recruiting and genuine in our recruiting efforts. Uh, I tell the kids straight up, especially the five-star defensive line guy, listen, we need you. <laughs> I mean, you can go anywhere else, but just know this experience here will be top-notch for a guy, especially the fit. You know, you talk about fit. We need a five-star fit at D-line right now. So um, it'll work out, man. I think we've done great in recruiting so far. Marcus Freeman defensively got us in number one class bunch of linebackers and, and, and DBs, so hopefully that D-line can solidify the group. Yeah, Anthony Lucas would be the biggest pickup. You talked about this on the slant a couple of weeks ago. Anthony Lucas would be the biggest pickup of talent on the defensive line since Jalen State. No, since Stephon Tewitt and Aaron Lynch. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, that would be the highest-ranked defensive line player Notre Dame would have picked up since yeah. those guys. So Xavier and Wonka. And then we have Walker Howard. We talked about him. He's an LSU commit at quarterback. Father played quarterback at LSU. Has a relationship with Tommy Rees. That's the reason why he'll be in the building. We know everything that's going on with LSU. Ed Orgeron just, you know, playing out the fiddle, coaching the rest of the season, dead man walking. Uh, Mel Tucker rumored to be the next coach heading from Michigan State to LSU, possibly program in flux. Walker Howard possibly looking to get out of his commit and maybe come to Notre Dame. We looked at his film, uh, not the difference maker, as the two guys we loved in the class of 2023, you know, but you always can have numbers in your quarterback room. Listen, if it ain't an impacted player, please don't come. <laughs> <laughs> don't even, Don't even try to excite us like that. 
because that's just the last thing we need is another guy we already got. And Billy Shroud, who has been the news recruiting-wise for Notre Dame this week, big offensive lineman out of Wisconsin. Of course, Zach Rice is another offensive lineman out of Wisconsin that Notre Dame was in on early. He committed to North Carolina. But Billy Shroud coming to Notre Dame has been a seesaw. We were the lead. No, reportedly, Notre Dame was a leader early, and they fell off. And now the family is back in love with Notre Dame. Billy Shroff will be in the building this weekend as well. Uh, he's good enough to play tackle, but he'll probably be a phenomenal guard for Notre Dame. And uh, I will just throw that out there. We don't know. We can't. It's been rumblings this week. One of the reasons that he had renewed interest is because possibly there are coaching changes coming up at Notre Dame <laughs> at the end of the season. I'll just leave it at that. There's you know, always coaching changes. Man, listen, we had Matt LaFleur for one season, and then he became a head coach. So, look, guys are in and out of Notre Dame all the time. I've had three, four, four defense, four offensive coordinators and three different uh, quarterback coaches in my time at Notre Dame. So, that's going to happen all the time, which is, you know, Good and bad. Hopefully, we can just get better at not recruiting players that we got to wait and see all the time. Sometimes we just need to get a guy that we know can go out there day one and make an impact. Yeah. Especially in our quarterback room, it's a bunch of wait and see talent in there, and that's uneasy for a fan base. We just need a guy that's just going – we just know is going to knock it out the park, step on campus day one, and it can't be the overrated ones, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It got to be like the bona fide Trevor Lawrence's of the world. Like, let us get one of those, and it'll change the program. Yeah, talking about game changers. Notre Dame fans, you probably got a chance to see Keon Keeley, Notre Dame commit, go up against Arch Manning last night. And, uh, yo, Keon Keeley, see, that's uh, once again, when you start to see the kids that Marcus Freeman has got in the next two cycles recruit-wise, and you plug them in, Along that defensive line, and especially at that linebacker position, you start to see just how good this defensive system might be in the next two years. It, it could be scary good. Let's get to it, man. No, Nothing more important than the product on the field and the big recruiting weekend. You can talk about the tours and meeting the other commits and talking to the coaches, but what happens on that field? at that particular recruit weekend has the biggest impact. So what are we going to see Saturday night from Notre Dame? 28-10 victory. I'm, I'm saying defense going to go in. We going to defense. We no. Do you, understand, you understand the ignorance that we would come with on the post-game show, the wrap-up show, if Notre Dame holds USC to 10 points? I'm, I'm telling you, we coming off by with Kyle Hamilton and got in that meeting room and talked to them boys real nice. Uh, and they're and they, and they not giving it up. J.D. Bertrand said no more, you know, no moss. That's crazy. You really, I'm going to give you a chance, second to think about that. I'm going to give you a second to really think about that. Look, that they that's said the, it was cold. the final score? They said it was cold. And, and I'm telling you, we like to turn the, the, the temperature down in Notre Dame Stadium second half. <laughs> them hits going to feel a lot harder. The ball going to feel a lot bigger. Them hands going to feel a lot number. 
I think we can damn near close them out, but I'm going to give them 10 points because they got a quarterback that's supposed to get drafted. I give him seven, but then I'll take away a whole bunch of more points because I got 14 back there. So We might have to put you on the petty train Monday, bro. <laughs> man. We do our thing, man. The disrespect is real. All right. I'm going to go 35-20. 35-20, okay. 35-20. I definitely look for Notre Dame to cover the spread, win the game outright, straight up. I don't think they'll have a problem doing that. The question is, will there be tense moments? So mm-hmm. what's the composition What's the composition of this 28-10? Is, so is it 14-10 going into the fourth quarter and then Notre Dame scores 14 to make it 28-10 or – 100 percent it'd be 10 14 going into the fourth. We pull away at the end. There's a bunch of cussing on Twitter and a bunch of frustration and <laughs> a lot of stuff going on, but we're gonna pull it out and, and, and get some big plays towards the end of the close game. Hey, that means people need to order that Onara whiskey or <laughs> whiskey.com for those tense moments. That's All right. right, we can't get it to you by game time, but we can have it for you next week when North Carolina comes to call. That's right. That's you can right. have it right there next to you. You know what? If they shut down USC, Keaton Slovis, and Sam Howell in back-to-back weeks. You might sneak in there. Yeah, I might be ready to buy out Brian Kelly. <laughs> this is my hyperbolic moment of the previous yeah, show. I think that's what it is. If, if, Mar- if Marcus Freeman does that, I right. think. Yeah, yeah. booked himself a nice spot reservation at yeah. Chris with the AD next day. Talk to a few alums, talk to a few boosters, <laughs> Brian Kelly, some nice shares, and a couple of companies that are connected. I know you want to boat somewhere, get him a boat, yeah, let him relax, you know, go find him yeah. an NFL job. I'm telling you, here <laughs> too, man, yeah. Just joking, man. So that's it. 28 to 10, and I have it 35 to 20. And uh, a big hit or two from Kyle Hamilton. Couple. I'm telling you, one on the drag route. One of the receivers will run across the field, not knowing. 14 going to make him pay. By the way, Keontae Ingram in that same interview we played earlier was asked about the Notre Dame defense. He was like, yeah, they got a they got a decent safety and uh, I think a decent a, de- a decent guy along the defensive line. I was like, oh really? Yeah, I hope you, you heard got, that for me. You got a decent safety. All yeah, right, clean him up. Yeah, buddy, he's decent, huh? We need the bulletin. We need the bulletin. <laughs> so once again, for people that missed it, we played it earlier. <laughs> USC running back transfer from Texas, Keontae Ingram. <laughs> was asked, have you ever been to Indiana? And this is how I played out. Have you ever been to Indiana? Never. Never. <laughs> it's going to be cold. Oh, really? <laughs> Prepare yourself. What's the temp? I think it's a high of like six. No, I think it's going to be like 40. 40. I think it's Yeah, 40. when you guys play, yeah, because it's, it's a seven game. 40? Mm-hmm. I feel like I just ruined your day. I'm going to have my you thermals on. I'm not on. excited for this one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get your thermals ready. Be ready. 40, dude. He's like, 40? Get the thermos on. Get them on, my brother. Get them on. on. See, I don't even want the tunnel. 
We don't need the tunnel for this game. No. We don't, we don't need them coming out of the same tunnel. They don't, don't need to the warmer than the seats going to be. Yeah, I'm not even respecting USC enough to even want to brawl before the game. Let them run out of that little skinny visitor's tunnel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cold, wind blowing, all of that. Make them feel it tonight. Make them feel it. That's right. And go into North Carolina with a lot of momentum. So thank you, everyone that's joined the preview show. You know, let's do this here. How do you want to do this? What do you think about the wrap-up show? Do you think the people want us live tonight? We should go live. After the game? All right. Wrap-up show live right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. So the game should end about 10 o'clock, 1030 Central Time. So more than likely, we want to watch Brian Kelly in his post game. So let's say we meet you guys back here around midnight. Let's get it. So we see you around midnight Eastern time for the wrap-up show. USC, looking forward to this game and looking forward to a blowout and a great performance by Notre Dame. We'll be back here live with lucky lefty himself, Malik Zaire. I am Sean Davis. This has been your preview show. But USC, don't forget, featuring Onara Whiskey, onarawhiskey.com. Go get it right now. And also follow us on social media, Lucky Lefty Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Share, like, share, like, and let others know about Lucky Lefty Nation and the Lucky Lefty Pod. I like that. One of our listeners gave us that today, Lucky Lefty Nation. That's you right. Get that T-shirt made. T-shirt made. That's right, baby. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different for my boy, Malik Zaire. I am Sean Davis. We'll see you tonight. Yeah. Wrap-up show right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. As always, have a great day and go Irish. <laughs>